Right. Hi guys, welcome to the Macros Bodybuilding and Powerlifting Podcast. You have got me and Mark today and we are going to be discussing some really good questions that we have got from some of our clients and I think you guys will take a huge amount away from this as well. I'd just like to let you know that virtually all of the episodes of the podcast are now available on iTunes and SoundCloud and therefore they're on kind of Android devices as well and they're on YouTube. Uh, and we're doing our best to keep up with that and getting them all there. <clears throat> so if you have got a chance to give us a review, please do give us a review. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. And there's also the opportunity to win a free copy of Renaissance Periodization, Mike Etc.'s new health book, which is talking about what foods and how to eat for health, which is really, really, really good. Um, and also asking your questions so if you find us on facebook you'll be able to add me on facebook you're specifically and you'll be able to ask mike your questions and we'll get those to him that's happening every two weeks so <clears> without further ado we'll get on with this and i'll start off with asking mark the first question that we received so luke <clears> asked <throat> critical analysis of information sources how do you decide what you will slash won't use with clients or yourself in future is there times when you think that your go-to guys get it wrong? So, I think, so what, what he's asking is like, how, how, do, how do we decide where we take information from and um, then decide whether that information's reliable and credible uh, to work with, yeah. Just Google, isn't it? <laughs> Google. Google and Men's Health. <clears throat> Flex Magazine, also yeah. pretty credible. Super credible. No, I, to be honest, the way, I think it's just, it all really boils down to just educating yourself a little bit first, I think. So I've spent months and months and months following not particularly great information. And it was only when I started to get a lot more serious with my own training and with my own nutrition. Um, but some of the results that I was looking for for myself weren't coming around with whatever I was doing at the time, going by the information that I was following at the time. So it took me a little bit of kind of just taking responsibility for my own education, learning a little bit about anatomy physiology, a lot about little bits about nutrition, uh, even the basic stuff. And then I kind of just stumbled across guys like, um, you know, the, the guys from 3D Muscle Journey, uh, Alan Aragon, Lyle McDonald. The, these guys, in my own experience, I kind of just stumbled across them on, on social media and YouTube and started watching them. And um, when I started to apply some of the things that they were saying, I started to notice the changes in my physique and strength and performance goals or uh, the, the goals that were coming around by, by doing that. And then just keeping yourself up to date with, with, that, with their work um, and how do you know if it's reliable or credible? I guess looking at their testimonial pages um, clients that they've worked with uh, and, the, and then they're following um, I think 
I think, or, or in fact, to put it even better than that, it would just be pretty much anything that's mainstream media um, you could probably avoid or, or, or not take too serious. And then if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Um, and then you just start to build up, yeah, a little bit more of an understanding on things. Mm-hmm. And it, it just almost organically becomes easier to decipher through the information out there. But uh, definitely, definitely taking some responsibility to, to educate yourself first. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes a lot clearer, I think. I can, I love how you started that with the taking personal responsibility for it because I think that's really important. Uh, I think a lot of people come into the fitness space and they want answers and they just look for answers and they just want a black and white answer. They want, yeah. they, a lot of people don't want it explained and that's a problem because they could ask the biggest guy in the gym, get an answer, try and apply it and they don't know really how it should work, whether it is a legitimate piece of information or any of that so I was very much like yourself um started doing it and it was just through continual research trying to find answers and get results that I eventually stumbled upon I went to bodybuilding forums bodybuilding.com I never actually started up on any of those but there I found Alan Aragon because he was a very big name there and when I first found his stuff absolutely hated it it completely contradicted everything that I liked everything that I thought I knew and I thought I did not like Alan Aragon. Since then, I've met him three times and we're best buddies. But uh, <laughs> apart from that, and um, then, yeah, you just have to eventually what did it for me was I just kept seeing so much evidence yeah. for doing it in, a, in this way. And I was like, well, so many people can't be doing this and getting results that it has to be wrong. So yeah. the best thing to do is, yeah, you first have to try and educate yourself, then be open minded which is really important, and then practice that, implement it, see if it does work for you. Because at the end of the day, there's so much evidence, so much kind of studies and tests that can be done, but the best person to test it upon is yourself. So um, you can't get a study done on yourself. You can't know that it's going to work on you. Studies are on rats, mice, fat, obese women. You don't know, like, not always applicable to you. So the best way is to, yeah, practice it, do it yourself. And then in terms of finding people to follow or resources, it's kind of like you said, you find Alan Aragon, that brings you to La McDonald, that brings you to 3DMJ, that brings you to whoever it might be, Brett yep. Contreras, James Krieger. And then they, these guys all associate themselves with each other. They've got a network of communication. Uh, Mike Isretel, Renaissance Periodization, they always, they come together. And you kind of, from that grounding knowledge, you can see how they talk, what they refer to. Do they refer to macros? Does it make sense? Does it fit yeah. in with what you already know? And do they agree with each other? And then once you've got that network of kind of educated people, I wouldn't try and go too far outside it. Yeah. Um, but if you do go outside it, then look at what they're saying. Does it relate to what <clears throat> back to what these experts yeah. are saying? And do these experts, do they agree with the experts or is it completely conflicting and sound, like you said, too good to be true? Yeah. Um, and I think Andrea Valdez and the 3DMJ guys on their podcast talked about kind of information sources. And Andrea was very much saying like, if you're not a researcher, don't read studies. Because obviously Luke's saying here, how do you decide if they're right? Because do you just listen to Eric Helms tout something and be like, yeah, I'm sold. Maybe you shouldn't always. Sometimes maybe you should question that. that. And I think you said it yourself. 
put what they say, put it into practice. If it doesn't work for you, then you have a right to maybe look into it and educate yourself further. So something for me that I maybe took maybe the wrong way, but I very much approached gaining weight in a very slow, progressive manner. And I've talked about this before, whereas then I don't think I was seeing much many results via that. So then I found my Kijatel, he was like, okay, try pushing it a bit quicker. And I found better results via that method. So yeah. maybe that's, I'm not saying the slow approach was wrong, but I tried it, practiced it, didn't work for me quite so well, found yeah. another method and went with that. But they always have those, like you said, the grounding principles where they're all basing around this like, calories in calories out that sort of thing macros you should have around this much protein these are the main important things to get right progressive overload if it's anything wacky and outside of that then you know it's kind of a bit wrong but if i was going to put some names to it apart from the ones i've mentioned it would be like examine.com for supplementation and then once you fat like examine.com you don't really need to go outside of that source particularly um but if you really do want to learn more then definitely delve into the studies yourselves because i've definitely read things and then read into a study and maybe not fully agreed but it is really difficult as a personal trainer that's something i might do um but as a a client i wouldn't expect them to look into studies at all um and even as a personal trainer it can be very time consuming to actually look into a study and you're probably best off looking into these researchers who are qualified to look at studies and produce what alan aragon produces every month and Brett Contreras produces every month their reports and they look at the literature and then we can take that, digest it and use it. Um, have you got anything else to say about that, Mark? Yeah, just just to confirm what you said. And then also when we talk about these these guys are experts, in, in, in our opinion, these, these guys are leading our industry and making it a better place for people like us. And... Yeah, so that would be coaches and our clients and then general population who follow them. They're making the fitness industry better and, um, you know, easier for good information to come by via uh, social media. However, they would be the first people to probably say that they're not experts and that they don't know everything. And I think that's a good telltale. If if you've got someone who's saying you absolutely have to do this because I 100% know that this will work, then the alarm bells would probably be ringing in my head because I doubt I've ever, in fact, I know I've never read anything <clears throat> that Alan Aragon has written or Eric Helms has, has published that said this will absolutely definitely work for you. And you absolutely have to do this, um, yeah. And and like promises of that whole. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. I really like that, um, and that's probably the case with with most things, particularly in the fitness industry. There's just an abundance of. It. I think it's this is one of the busiest industries in the world for information. It's information overload. It's all over the TV every day, newspapers every day, social media is crazy for, for this stuff. And unfortunately, most of it isn't very good information. Uh, there's only a very, very small amount of genuine people who are trying to do right by people um, in getting the evidence, yeah, the good evidence, the good science out there. And 
I guess all we can really do is is take that information as coaches and trying to we then try to pass it off to whoever we're working with at the time. And um, I th- yeah, as a as a general population person or as a coach, then that would be something to to live by. That whole if it's too good, it probably is. And I think coaches like you and me, Mark, we have a responsibility to share information that's good, but also make sure that we understand the information we're sharing. So I don't tend, or I don't think, I I definitely have in the past, but now I don't tend to write any articles, share share any blog posts, or say anything that I'm not sure about. Because it's not nice when you get someone coming back to you and like, okay, explain that to me. And if you can't explain it, then don't say it because I know there's personal trainers out there that call themselves evidence-based and they they kind of, they're getting the main points right, but they're getting things a bit misconstrued. They're saying things a little bit wrong. They're maybe prioritizing things a bit differently and it produces a really confusing message. So if I had anything to say to kind of maybe newer personal trainers or people who are maybe not completely sure and they don't have a lot of time to spend looking at the evidence, really just stick to what you know get really good at that and then go on to something else. Because for me, I mean, a lot of the stuff I know now, I knew years ago. I couldn't talk about it in the way I know it now. Now it just rolls off my tongue because I've been doing like like in it for so long. And it takes a long time to get that confidence and experience. But yeah, I just say to, I get frustrated and I try, I hold it within myself when I see other kind of coaches or personal trainers saying things. I'm like, you've kind of got it right it's not completely right. And I, yeah. I I definitely have done it in the past. I think I even did it recently. I posted about uh, BCAAs and I said, the, the building blocks of protein. Um, and I think it was Ian McCarthy came back to me and said, uh, they're not actually the building blocks of protein. It's kind of like, it, it's a really kind of small thing that I got wrong, but it, it is wrong. And I'm glad he picked me up on it because I don't want to be, if, if that kind of ruined my entire message, I would have completely changed it and, yeah. Uh, moved it around but it didn't it kind of actually helped that i didn't <laughs> say that the, uh, the the intricacies of it uh, but that's an example of where i think we as coaches also have kind of a role to maybe pick out people so i know kind of martin mcdonald has picked a bit well i say a bit he's picked on the body coach and the body coach has a responsibility as someone who's in the public eye and t- saying a to a lot of people to I know yeah. overall his message is probably pretty damn good one which I'm happy about and I can kind of not be too angry with him but he does relay a lot of misinformation yeah. which leads to confusion and that again is a problem when it could be easily cleaned up um, yeah. so I think so someone like him he should just really stick to what he knows he knows exercise is really good for you he knows these healthful foods you can eat some of them in large quantities and that can lead to a calorie deficit he doesn't necessarily need to say that fat makes you thin and th- like yeah. i know it sells but it just yeah it's frustrating um yeah yeah it, it, it's frustrating and, and completely wrong as well I, and, and one of the things there's there's a there's a point in the fitness industry where i think it gets too like everyone is, is trying to call everyone at certain times or at least what i've seen and i would rather that we were working together kind mm-hmm. of but at the same time, you know, I think I think my my time is spent much better with an article in front of me or watching a seminar or going to a seminar or whatever than flicking through Facebook trying to pick holes in other people's work. However, 
I do think that certain posts or certain people within the fitness industry should be called out almost because they are irresponsibly posting misinformation and they're making the whole thing a lot more confusing for people than it really needs to be. Uh, so when, when I see Martin McDonald, who I think is fantastic, by the way, um, but you talk about clever, Martin McDonald is seriously clever. Clever and well-dressed. Can't beat it. <laughs> top, top guy. Uh, if he feels that it's necessary to call out um, the body coach, then I, I, I would have to agree. And um, I, I guess, like you said, I'm, I'm sure the body coach or, or Joe Wicks, I'm sure he's got a, a, a nice heart. I'm sure his heart's in the right place. Whether or not he educates himself and changes his mind about things and goes a different direction, hopefully one day, uh, because he could have a real positive influence if he if he if he was to put that the right message out there. But unfortunately, at the moment he he isn't really, which is not helping. Mm-hmm. And I what I want to make sure is I also don't want people to think that I'm saying because something that really held me back also was being underconfident in my own abilities and definitely mm-hmm. by sharing share what you do know. Definitely do share what you do know because a lot Absolutely. of personal trainers know enough. I know a hell of enough to, mm. to help people just yeah. kind of energy balance just saying that in different I often say the same message in different ways uh, and the people although I feel like oh I never I'm never <laughs> gonna know as much as Martin McDonald I just never will he's an incredibly intelligent man he has spent a great deal of his life researching these things and sometimes I get down and I'm, like, I'm never gonna be able to have as much of an impact in him as him but we definitely can because we can share it yeah. in our own voice and different people will pick up on it in different ways um so yeah i think Absolutely. we've probably said enough on this topic do you reckon Mark? yeah 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 so shall i i'll ask the next question that cameron has asked us so i thought this was a really good question because kind of muscle protein synthesis and protein timing has become quite a hot topic recently i posted about it myself and I think this is maybe an area some people maybe don't think about or they do think about it and don't really understand it. So <clears throat> Cameron has asked, how far is too far when it comes to maximizing MPS, muscle protein synthesis, in terms of meal timing and protein serving? Surely whenever someone talks about three to five servings of 30 to 40 grams per day of protein per day, they disregard the fact nothing is consumed for roughly a third of the day while you sleep. So I think Cameron's saying, should you wake up in the middle of the night and sip a protein shake? Is that a good idea? I didn't mean to sound, I've already made my impressions clear on that. I didn't mean to. <laughs> no, no, yeah. So, no, you, you definitely shouldn't be waking up in the middle of the night to have a protein shake. Although, I have definitely read an at article. Work. No, Not out yeah. working. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I've for sure read an article before about a guy who was competing in a show and this was this was a this is a while ago now and he used to get he used to wake up put his alarm on for every like two or three hours oh dear lord two two hours every two hours maybe um because obviously he had to have a chicken breast <laughs> uh, obviously during the night so couldn't think of nothing worse but yeah so no i i think would be the answer to that i think um if looking at protein ingestion or digestion, then it's over a chronic period of time. Um, 
and you know <laughs> waking up in the middle of the night for a protein shake. Um Yeah, what was I saying there? Well, let me if I take this I'll try and be a bit more serious with this in that okay, so protein like we know priority priorities are pro like total protein by the end of the day. That is definitely the priority. And protein isn't something that our body can store, like it can store glycogen, it can store fat, <clears throat> whereas protein it can't. So we do want a continual supply of amino acids to keep kind of, of anabolism uh, yeah, in place. So that's, that is important. And kind of we have that, what Cameron's talking about, that leucine threshold, you need to have a certain amount of protein, which is normally, if it's a mixed meal, 0.4 grams per pound is how much you want to kind of have to create that leucine Bar break that barrier and then maximize MPS and then you've got that if you're maximizing MPS which is muscle protein synthesis which is muscle growth that's great and then it comes down and then you want to kind of maximize it again and by having these kind of um, spread through the day and spread out as evenly as possible you're going to maximize MPS the most you possibly can so theoretically if you could spread this through your night as well you would be maximizing it um, for like you'd be feeding amino acids because you are going starved through the yeah, night. But what, the problem with that is when you're asleep, people forget, well, you may forget or discount how beneficial sleep is for you and how bad breaking sleep up is. Just for recovery purposes, like human growth, I know human growth hormone is massively, not massively released, but it's, it's released during the night. All of these kind of recovery processes, like the best time we grow and recover is actually when we're kind of asleep, when yep. our body can actually put all its energy into these processes rather than keeping us awake, rather than putting energy to digestion. What you can do, however, and it's not necessarily something I think is incredible importance, but it is kind of that next step above having those frequent protein feedings, is have a slow digesting protein before bed. That kind of would give you that. I, I It's something I've I fought against in the past, and the bros were touting and now it's come back and I'm accepting it. And this is probably one of those areas where Luke's like, what's something you've taken on board from a professional and then maybe change your view on? And I think even professionals have taken something on board and changed their view on. We're continually changing our views because yeah. science is ever changing. So yes, you could have a slow digesting protein before bed as one of your protein feedings and something like a casein based protein that's going to be slowly digested because it like globulates and it's really thick. And that's probably the best thing you could probably do to kind of allow amino acids to be slowly digested through your sleep. Because I think casein proteins or something take like eight hours to be digested. That's pretty mm. much while you're asleep. Then first thing in the morning, slam away protein shake. And that sounds incredibly bro. And it would be incredibly bro of you. But you might be a bro. You might be about optimizing that 5% like rich piano. And uh, yeah, I think I, I don't really have much else to say on that. What do you reckon, Mark? No, and I, I'm sorry for getting... Something, <laughs> That's right, I saved some, it. <laughs> something really tickled me. I, I couldn't control myself there. Chicken breast um, in the middle of the night would be incredibly dry. I, just... I, I, just, <laughs> I don't know why I found that so funny. I, I couldn't concentrate. But yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> rest and digest is exactly like, you know, when, when we're sleeping. That's, that's the whole point of sleep. Or we wouldn't need to sleep. We, we have to be recuperating when we're sleeping. So yeah, break it. Can you, can you even imagine how cr like if you ever had a really bad night's sleep where you've maybe got like four or five hours or really the next day is terrible. 
the next few days might even be terrible. Like, can you imagine how awful you would feel waking up every few hours to, like, get some protein in? Even if it was giving you a tiny bit more of that kind of constant NPS, um, is it, would it be worth it, like, to feel that way? Probably not. And then, yeah, so it's it's interesting as well because these things keep coming around. Like, I remember when I first started to train, uh, I bought casein to specifically have before bed. I didn't really know how much protein I was taking in. I didn't know what protein was. I just knew that I had to have a protein shake after I trained and that I had to have casein before bed. And then it became like this bro thing, like you said. Oh, only bros do that. And then for a while, I even stopped having pro- whey protein because I think I went through this weird phase where, oh, only bros have whey protein. Yeah. Only people who don't know what they're talking about are, are taking whey protein. And yeah, if you are, if you're trying to maximize NPS, because NPS is, is happy time, you know, it's, it's we are, we're gaining muscle. If, if, if muscle protein synthesis is greater than muscle protein breakdown, we're gaining muscle and it's 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 where most of us are gonna want to be most of the time. If you can if it's not too inconvenient and it doesn't cause too much extra stress in your life to consider having like a slow digesting protein before bed and then when you wake up in the morning, make sure you have some kind of protein just to keep that NPS nice and spiked, then there's no harm in doing that and you're certainly not a bro you're just trying to maximize the efforts that you're putting in mm-hmm. in the gym and with your training and with your nutrition um and then yeah so get and then over that chronic period of time so over the rest of the day having that protein feedings i mean and, and remember we are talking about maximizing I, I don't believe it's a huge difference uh you know, if 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 you if you've got a really busy job and you can have breakfast, dinner, or or, or breakfast, lunch, in your evening meal, and maybe a post workout shake or something, if that's all you've got time to do, then that's you're probably not going to see a great deal a difference. But if you can, if you've got the time, if it's not too inconvenient to to put these things in place, then I there's no real reason not to, and um, especially because you think you're 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 a bro, like we're all bros, mm. uh, and we all want to maximise NPS. That's that's what we're in the what that's what we're trying to do. So yeah, I think um, don't wake up in the middle of the night. Let your body rest, digest, and that's like you said, it's, it's an incredibly important time um, for everything. You know, even brain function. Yeah. Like even the next day, you, you get that kind of laggy brain. You, you don't feel quite as alert, quite as sharp. Certainly, gym performance. Uh, after a, a good night's sleep is noticeably better the next day if, if you've had a good sleep. So sleep is very, very important with, with any performance goals. And, uh, yeah, making sure that you've got that continual protein feedings throughout the day to, to help keep MPS elevated. I think something that people can take on board here as well is that it's you can just through subtle changes in your diet make what what wouldn't be a large difference but a, a difference that could be it is superior it's better 
Mm. And it might be something that you can eat, like you said, easily incorporate into your diet. So when with my clients who have been longer term, who consistently hit their macros, consistently hit their protein, I sometimes suggest to them, so what does your kind of, like, I, I have kind of advice, we have those, we have the Revive Bible, which gives us mm. guidance on this, but they might not refer to that very often, they might have settled into a pattern. So I sometimes ask like, okay, how, what does your day-to-day feeding look like in terms of like how many servings of protein you're having, what sort of times? And sometimes they're having kind of them very much bunched together. And I just suggest yeah. maybe, what if we just extended that window a little bit? Because you'd actually see a better kind of the, the pulsile kind of feedings yeah. of protein. And there might be small changes you can make to your day that make it a lot easier. Mm. I think especially if <clears throat> the fact is you don't need an actual meal so it could just be that you are getting these protein servings, which is really handy because even if you want to say intermittent fast um, and have one big meal, you can still use this MPS kind of getting the, the bolus of protein or the, the serving of protein by just having yep. a shake or just just a chicken breast and maybe some salad leaves or something to, to get that down. <laughs> I actually remember when I was bulking, clean bulking, didn't know what I was doing. I used to have cottage cheese before bed with like peanut butter, a crap load of calories. And I was literally stuffed and I couldn't eat any more. So I left, <laughs> I left this bowl of cottage cheese and peanut butter by my bed so that in the middle of the night, I knew I'd wake up for the loo and in the middle of the night, I'd eat it. Finish it off. I didn't eat it, luckily, because I was literally gagging as I was trying to eat it in the middle of the night. I was like, you know. You don't want to eat in the not. I don't know. Maybe when you're really dieting, you want to eat in the middle of the night. But a lot of the time, especially if you're bulking, you do not want to eat when you're in the middle of the night. You just want to sleep. <laughs> yeah, you just had a whole day of like shoving food in. Just that that uh, blissful period of time when you don't have to eat is <laughs> quite nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Getting up in the middle of the night, I don't know. So I think we probably covered that quite well, and I think. I, I'm really glad Cameron asked that question because I think yeah. these sort of minor things that maybe we consider as minor or other personal trainers consider as minor are questions that maybe pop into other people's heads and they're kind of mm. like, well, what is there a benefit to doing this? Um, and I think it's important because if, if Cameron, for example, was waking up in the middle of the night to have this shake, like he could easily, like he's a student himself. It could really be screwing him over. Yeah. And uh, so I think it's important to flush those out. So I just yeah. wanted to touch on one additional topic. So we didn't get any more questions from our clients, but um, one of my clients works away from home a lot and he finds it quite difficult to stay on track with his nutrition. So we've been working together for quite a while trying to tackle this. We've gone through periods of like having meal plans. We've gone through periods of um, trying to use precision nutrition type um, portion control through fists, thumbs, um, cups and handfuls and things like that. And it just seems very difficult sometimes for him to just stick to it. It's just really difficult to stick to it. And I think for some people it is. So something we've been doing recently is I've got him to spam the group with all of his nutrition, basically. Yeah. Um, so taking screenshots of his MyFitnessPal and of the meals he's been eating. Um, and this is good because we've done it, me and him before. Uh, but to do it to the group, he's accountable to so many more people. And I think it's just hopefully going to be kind of the turning point for us that's going to get him further towards his goals and so i thought we might just talk a bit about staying on track with your nutrition while you're away and kind of what different tools you use mark and what different things i use because i think it 
it's actually even probably more difficult for yourself because you're you're a family man you've got a child to care about whose actual their their need to eat is probably more important than your need to like maximize nps um, yeah. so i thought it'd be interesting to hear from us both so yeah what kind of if you're working away from home mark if you're a day kind of you don't have access to the kitchen what do you do is there anything you do beforehand to prepare for that or yeah i you know what i actually really i think protein bars like come in super handy when traveling i i've always got i keep them in the fridge actually but i've always got protein bars in the fridge if we're going away for the day uh i know that that's an option again whey protein super easy super convenient to, to carry around and also, most places now have like you know if the, the the kind of lighter options stuff. So if you're if you're if, if your goal was fat loss, but you found yourself on the road quite a lot, or you're you're traveling, you're away from home, and you're outside your home comfort, and you don't really have much control of what you're cooking and what what you're what you're going to eat. Most places do have this like lighter option stuff now, and even even like a local. Uh, you know, pet petrol station or, or garage are often see like lighter options or lighter choices. And again, going back to trying to probably prioritize like a protein feeding at, at every meal, making sure that I was nice and full, um, eating some fruit. I just think, I think a little bit of planning as well, maybe even pre prepare stuff. Like if you're going away for one day, just take stuff from your house take a pack lunch take it with you plug it into my fitness pal then you know that your your day's set up you know what you're going to be eating sometimes as well and this is something that i've found both with myself and with clients it's not always ideal so depending on where you are in a, in a dieting phase if you're really looking to sharpen up uh like for a, a show or a or a photo shoot or something or a holiday you might have to suck it up one day and have a, a cold meal out of, out of a Tupperware box um, if you're traveling. It just might be something you have to do. Uh, pre pre prepare your food. Um, things like, I don't know if people have got access to ways of cooking food, whether it would be like even like microwave food, like Marks and Spencer's do fantastic uh, lower calorie options for for food when, when you're away. I think there's always a way of getting around travel, and although there's a way of getting around it, I'm not saying it's easy because it's not. Mm -hmm. Dieting is easily triply different or ten times different when you're when you're on the road. There's so much temptations. It's so there's so many convenience foods around, but just having a little plan, having some you know easy, like whey protein powder. Keep it in your keep it in your bag. Have a shake on you all the time. Protein bars, just yeah, it 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 can work. There's just got to be a little bit of effort in making it work mm -hmm. as well. I think. Yeah, I definitely think planning is key. Uh, so having some kind of idea of you don't want to just go into it and be like, all right, I'm just gonna hopefully pick something up from this place. Like yeah. you can't just. If you don't have any sort of plan in place, then it's going to be really like if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. Like for, say. For, for most people, yeah. Yeah. So I really don't find it. I, I personally have got to a point where I don't find it difficult 
yeah. I tend to just don't bother thinking about um, carbs and fat. I tend because when you're out, basically everything's going to be high in fat because it just always is. Like convenience protein bars, they're always high in fat. Uh, yeah. well, most of them. And then if you're having like cereal bars again, they're they're going to be high in fat for for the most part. And then if you have meals out, they're probably adding fats to it, um, or it's a fatty type of just meal in general. Yeah. So having that in, in my mind, calories being king, protein secondary, knowing that, okay, this is hopefully going to be a short period of time, so I can't get much kind of vegetables, fruits, fiber might be a bit low for a few days and accepting that. But when I do get an opportunity to have vegetables, I kind of just kill it. So, mm. um, or if it's like, I know I don't have a lot of access to protein, kind of if I get a meal, I'll just be like, okay. I'm not caring about NPS at the moment. I just need to get some pro. I need. It's more important yeah. for me to hit my totals by the end of the day. So I make the most out of that opportunity right there and then. And then it it comes to the point of, for me, I've always been really kind of, I don't know what the word to put it. Just if someone offers me something tempting, I can just say no. Whereas a lot of people are kind of like, they really want something. They're like, oh, it's available. I just have to have it. Or oh, there's, I yeah. I always have dessert. I want dessert and if you're one of those type of people I think you really have to think about how much does this mean to you how much time are you putting into the gym how much time are you putting into tracking your nutrition and then having something over it and how much money are you maybe spending on coaching on education on your gym membership yeah. and then you're ruining it almost by not putting the right fuel into the engine although I don't know if I necessarily agree with that whole scenario always yeah. it doesn't quite like your nutrition is permissive of the training that is like the ignition if you don't then give it the fuel to give it the the right direction it just will mm. never work and if you, as soon as you realize that and then you have to prioritize your nutrition it has to become a priority otherwise it's just gonna be very difficult and if it is a really rare thing then sure be flexible with it maybe yeah. you just do kind of eat a bit mindfully think about protein prioritizing that but if it's a regular thing, you really have to come up with a plan. You mm. can't just wing it, especially if you're not good at winging it when you're just at home anyway, because 100%. That, that's going to be really, really difficult when you come out to it because, yeah, it's just a nightmare. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a great point about like the differentiating the, the, the home and, and away thing. If, you, if you're not fluent in extremely comfortable tracking macros at home then there's little hope when you're away and uh yeah make it make sure you've you've you've, you've got a plan I, I i feel like i'm in a, I'm in a place now I, I i could take off this weekend and be fine most likely um but but most people aren't most people aren't fluent in, in tracking most people can't eyeball like what their meals are so and absolutely question why or, 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 or how much it means to you. How much does this process mean? Do you like do you want to go and set yourself back another few weeks of hard diet and for the sake of one like weekend away? And again, you, you talked about like maybe like there there might not be access to a wide variety of like fresh vegetables, fruit. So fiber may be low for a few days. If it's if it's quite an infrequent thing, and your nutrition's generally quite good, um, you know, nutrient dense for the most part, then like 
I doubt very much that one day or a few days are going to have a, a great impact in the grand scheme of things. Um, but if it is more of a frequent thing, if you if you find yourself in a job where you're working away from home a lot, like I, I've got clients who who work in the North Sea on oil rigs, um, they're away from home, they're locked literally in a tin can for three weeks. Now, when I've got clients who work in locally, who say that they have no control or who say they're struggling for their food choices, I don't have a whole lot of time for that, um, if I'm being honest, because they do. They, 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 they buy their foods, they take it home, they cook it and they prepare it for the most part. I've got a little bit more of an understanding with people who are locked in a, in a tin can. With, they've comp- they're, what they're eating is completely out with their control and they just have to come up with a way of doing what we are saying we're doing, having that protein feedings as, as often as possible. You know, if there's a if there's a day when there's a particular selection of, of vegetables on that day, go nuts. Like get the get the vegetables in, get the micronutrition in. And um of of course it, it it's difficult. But I think just like we t- we talked about the education thing and just taking a lot about responsibility for education, then kinda just taking a lot about responsibility for your own actions as well. Like nobody's I think having a coach as well, you know, we, we we're kind of in our client's corner all the time mm-hmm. and like willing them on but we coach remotely you know we we're not in their home we're not at their workplace we're not traveling with them we're not in the car with them we can't control what they're doing it's just we can give them as much support as the, is, is, is possible mm-hmm. and kind of pave that pave that path for them to walk but they've really got to take responsibility of what their what their actions are you know at the end of the day i completely i completely agree because in my head, I was thinking, I all like this. I have clients who I probably wish I could follow around and feed mm. yeah. um, to a degree because they struggle. They really mm. struggle. And sometimes I'm the type of coach that I am generally is I'm a bit of a soft, soft touch and I'm very under, like, I'm an understanding guy, I'm an understanding coach. But for some of my clients, and I very, and I normally do it like, so you know, there's normally a good cop and a bad cop. Today I'm gonna have to be that bad cop cop because you're screwing up and i need to tell you because it's not like i it's acceptable now and then but consistently doing this is going to ruin your results and if i don't tell you then we're just going to see no progress and i love that you said taking responsibility for it because it is i think it's like having a pt you can't expect to employ a pt and expect results to fly in you have to take responsibility you have to put in the work um, if you don't do that, you will not see the results you want to see. And something I, I have a remote client like you were just talking about from Australia, who he works two, two weeks away and he's one week at home. And it's really funny because normally I'm like, okay, when you have control, he's at home, mm. take control. And then when you're away, that's when we can be a bit kind of more loose. So we expect to make great results at home. When we're away, we know it's a bit more difficult, so we won't. Yeah. But for him, when he's at home is when he has trouble because there's so much food availability and that's when it's kind of like i guess i can understand it's like two weeks at work one week it's a holiday almost maybe it feels a little bit like that um and so he wants to relax a little bit so when we're away that's when we try and make progress although it's slower than maybe it would be because he can't control everything it's at least making some sort of progress so i think as a person you have to understand like 
yeah, take responsibility and really think about what can you control and how much is that going to impact your results? Because you could be someone who, oh, it's just you're every month you're away for a weekend. So maybe you just plan in to have a refeed or a more flexible weekend. You can control calories a little bit more around that event. Yeah. So then yeah. you can be more flexible on that one event. Um, but yeah, it's no good trying to always do it but never quite doing it because that is the way to not see any results and it's so frustrating to see um, yeah. because the body doesn't react very well to small little changes um, it, in fact it reacts too well it adapts to them adapts, um, yeah. i even said i think i've recently posted about this if you make like a small calorie adjustment like you walk an extra flight of steps every day you may initially see some progress unlikely the body will just adapt to it will get efficient um, and this is why you can people can slowly reduce their calorie intake because they slowly get more less energetic and want to yeah. not live. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yep. So I think yeah, in terms of staying on, like when I'm away on holiday with nutrition, it's the same. Just planning ahead, really. Um, normally, pro I prioritize protein in meals. I normally have like two big meals out, and then. Normally, actually, it's quite convenient to pick up. I, I have done it, and people who watch me on Snapchat will have seen in Australia, I was picking up carrots and peppers yeah. and tomatoes from like convenience stores that actually sold them and just eating them like apples. Yeah. Uh, and Well, obviously picking up an apple and banana as well. These things, I think it's too easy to make the excuse, oh, I'm away, it's really difficult. Sometimes you just have to suck it up. Yeah, it's the, the temptations maybe there but the the then the the food's still available like the 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 good the, the nutrient dense foods are still there and uh yeah what, what i tend to do in holiday is 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 very similar actually and typically i think i actually do if i was in a dieting period i could diet better on holiday because it's, it's 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 warm i'm busy i'm i don't particularly have much of an appetite in the heat so I tend to eat fairly light in the morning. Like I'll maybe have a like a big veg vegetable based like omelet or something, and that'll kind of probably do me. I'll, I'll have a like pick it some. I usually have like a protein feeding, obviously, um, in the afternoon, or and then just keep hydrated some fruit, and then I typically just enjoy the evening with a with a nice evening meal with with my wife or whoever I'm with uh, there. There's no restriction. I don't feel like I'm 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 avoiding anything. It's just it. But because it, because that comes quite naturally to me, that's not always been the case. And I've I've struggled a lot in the in the past. And that's kind of where I relate to clients who do struggle. And like you said, I am I'm kind of a a pushover in, in, in sometimes with clients as well because. And it's. I know. I said that it kind of annoys me that people don't have control, or people who live locally say they can't have control of their food. I don't. I very, very, very seldom like have a negative conversation with a client. It's always kind of positive. It's yeah. always like, okay, let's try and do better this time. Uh, we've maybe done something this week. How can we like look to to change that? How, how can we help to stop that from happening again? Um, and yeah, just. Because I think we we've got quite we've got I mean I'm slightly different to you that I I, I coach quite a lot of one to one clients as well so I'm pretty busy through the day and um, but I've still got quite a lot of control of like when I can eat and when I can 
do train and all these types of things. And I do understand that for many people that's not the case. And their priority isn't when to like their next protein feeding is coming from. Now that's fine as long as we understand that uh, we're maybe not getting 100% the best digestion of protein or the best results that it could be. Um, although in, in the same breath, I think if we understand the science again and, and know that it's like it's not the be all and end all as well, then it takes the stress out of it for people who do stress about these things but physically can't have that protein feeding throughout the day. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's, um, yeah. I just wanted to touch on the thing you said about holiday because I made it sound like I'm really maybe restrictive on holiday and I'm like obsessive about getting vegetables in. And I just want to make it clear to people that, especially for someone like myself, having a degree of control gives me so much freedom like having the control or like the, the, just having the control of like macro ranges gives me a, a, like a huge amount of freedom yeah. uh, and i think having kind of, and it's there's a difference between being uh restrictive and then being like having restraint so yes. on holiday don't restrict but maybe restrain a little bit or like when you're away from work don't res- don't say you can't have a beer just don't mm. have five have one or something yeah. Like if you're in a fat loss phase and it's quite important to you and you're away a lot of the time, just, yeah, have those, there's people really hate against sometimes these things. And it's like, no, they actually allow for more flexibility a lot of the time. Yeah. I, I love the way you put that. I think as well, if that's where flexible dieting is. It, it, it's so important to understand that if you, if you understand you can have flexibility, if you, if you live your life with that kind of flexibility, all the time, then it doesn't change when you're on holiday. You still got the same mindset. You're on holiday. You're in a different place, but you've you still got. You know that you could have. Okay, so there's there's all you can eat pizza like in the buffet tonight. Well, I could have pizza anytime, and still maintain and still make my goals. Uh, so you don't straight away the need to to binge on this food while you're on holiday. It kind kind of goes away because you understand flexible dieting. You understand energy balance. You understand like longevity of stuff and it's not like you know to get results we don't have to like restrict all this food and, and cut it out for periods of time the worst thing is like i'm going i'm going holiday in six weeks so i can't have this 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 and this and then you know the all-inclusive holiday is coming on the corner and it's it's mayhem so no carbs before marbs that just nope. pinged to my head <laughs> and then you have none of the carbs and then you have all of the carbs and you look like crap on holiday just don't and do you, that and you feel like crap as well yeah um yeah i, I really like the way you put it there about the, the straight restriction yeah really good. cool um thank you and i think we're cool that a wrap um thank you mark for tuning into the podcast and thank you everyone for tuning in please Thanks. leave us a review um, yes. hopefully you're enjoying these and uh, we will talk to you all soon these again available youtube itunes and soundcloud and all android devices as well and uh, we love hearing your feedback so thank you yeah. thanks guys